1: All you cool cats and kittens. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined legend and icon, Miss Carol Baskin.
0: Thank you so much for having me and for wearing the haku lei to celebrate this occasion.
1: I went out and bought this lovely headpiece just for you, Carol, because I needed to match. So, how are you?
0: I'm just doing great.
1: Yes, you're having a good day. You are in Tampa, is this correct? I am. Where are you calling from? I am in New York City, so it's busy. Things are happening. What is going on? What have you been up to today? Uh, Today
0: we've been filming a lot. I've been out talking to the cats. I actually got to see the cats being fed this morning. I don't usually get here until after feeding, so that was nice to be able to see them being fed.
1: Wow. So listen, everyone knows that you are one of the world's foremost dedicated big cat rights activists in the entire world. But I have to start with the obvious question. How does one get into that with all the professions out there, all the things to choose? That doesn't come up on a lot of people's radar. So how, how did you get into this?
0: From the time that I was a kid, I wanted to save domestic cats and kittens from being killed in shelters due to overpopulation. So I always thought that was going to be my life's calling. And that's why I would often work three jobs at a time, because I was trying to put away enough money to take care of what I thought was going to be a very expensive proposition. Had no anticipation of rescuing big cats or exotic cats. But when that happened, I felt like naively I thought I could fix this and it's ended up taking nearly 30 years but we're getting very close to fixing this.
1: Wow that's amazing. Is it true that you wanted to be a vet at one point but then when you found out that they actually need to put the cats to sleep you said this is just not for me?
0: Yeah you know my first thought like most children I think that love animals is that they want to be a vet. And I would have all of the dogs and cats in the neighborhood that ended up hurt or injured seem to show up at my door and I was taking care of them. And so that's what I thought I would want to do. And that would be a good way to help the domestic cats and kittens in shelters. But what I learned as I grew older is that people will often take their animals to the vet in order to have them euthanized just because they don't want them anymore. And I knew I'd never be able to do that. And so I figured I'd have to find some other
1: profession. How old were you when you first started working with big cats?
0: I was 17 when I first started working with bobcats. I left home at the age of 15. And like I said, I often worked two and three jobs at a time putting away money and would do bobcat rehab and release. And the only cats who can ever go free are the ones who were born in the wild. So these are cats who may have been hit by cars or shot by hunters or poisoned. And the vet can usually fix them up in 30 minutes or so, but then it's months of rehab for them to be strong enough to go back to the wild. So I've done that from the time that I was 17 until we rescued our first um, captive born bobcat when I was, that was in 92. So I was like 31.
1: Wow. So look, you've done this for a long time. You're like I said, you're one of the world's most foremost experts. But I have to ask, were you scared in the beginning? Like there's a bobcat right there. I mean, that, that that's where my mind goes. The, last night, we have three baby bobcats in
0: our rehab center right now, three siblings, and they were fighting with each other. And they're like this big, you know, they're tiny. And the sounds that were coming out of there was like, It was like Satan (laughs) had been unleashed on the world. It was this screaming, blood-curdling sound between them, just play-fighting. And... If you can imagine that by about 100x, that's what it's like with a bobcat who's been hit by a car who does not want me tending to its wounds, does not want me feeding it. I would feed them with these really long tongs where I get like a piece of meat and then stick the tongs out there and they'll smack them out of your hand and scream at you and
1: just, oh,
0: they're wicked, absolutely wicked. But I love that about them. They just don't take any nonsense off of
1: anybody. Wow. And so like you just... You were never afraid, it sounds like. I mean, these small ones you're describing, making a sound like Satan, I would want, I mean, they could be as cute as can be. I wouldn't go anywhere near them, especially with my hands or feet or any extremities.
0: And bobcats are, they're not afraid of anything. So in addition to making a lot of noise, they will just come right at you. And they don't care that you're 20 times bigger than they are. They are just fierce. And I think because of the fact that I got used to that with them when, you know, when I was young enough that I thought I was invincible has made it so that I'm accustomed to dealing with them now, but I I fully respect them and I, I give them their room.
1: That's probably a good thing. How did Big Cat Rescue first come about?
0: So in 1992, my late husband Don and I were at an exotic animal auction and we would buy llamas and turn them loose on big parcels of land that we own because we're in real estate for a living. And the llamas will clear about eye level across the entire property and then we'd move them to another parcel. So we were buying llamas when this guy came in with a six month old bobcat. She was terrified. She was all you know, cuddled in around his neck. He said his wife didn't want her as a pet anymore. And I'm thinking, yeah, cause she's growing up to be a bobcat for crying out loud. And you know, that's about all I thought about this at the moment. And then the guy next to me started bidding on her. And so I leaned over and I said, when that cat grows up, she is going to tear your face off. And he said, I'm a taxidermist. I'm just going to club her in the head in the parking lot and make a den decoration out of her. So I started crying and my husband started bidding and we probably paid more for that bobcat than anybody's ever paid for a bobcat in the history of bobcats, but she was not going to get clubbed in the head in the parking lot. And so she had been born in captivity, which meant she couldn't be set free. It's illegal. She had been declawed because they didn't want her scratching them. And so they had had her declawed and she wouldn't be able to catch any food, even if it were legal to release her. And she was born in another state, which even within the state of Florida, if we pick up a bobcat in a particular county, we have to release it back into that same county. So she became our first captive popcat and she was wretched as expected. She chased our German shepherd all over the place. She terrorized my daughter. She would lay on top of the refrigerator and when my husband would open the door, she'd launch down on him and start ripping his hair out. Oh my but God. Um, yeah, and instead of thinking, wow, this was a really bad idea, he started calling around and he found a guy in Minnesota who said that he would sell him a kitten to raise with her but that we had to come there in person. So we packed up my daughter who was 12 at the time, loaded up the van with her and her friend and a pet taxi and went to Minnesota. And when we walked in, it was this big metal shed. There's no sign out front that says what this is. We get inside and the flies were so thick in there that we had to put handkerchiefs over our faces because you didn't want them flying up your nose or in your mouth as you were talking. And it was just row after row of these little, like rabbit hutch kind of cages full of bobcats, Canada lynx, and Siberian lynx. And the guy's going up and down the aisle, opening up these little hutches and pulling out kittens and showing us. And I asked him, I said, Was there this big of a market for these cats as pets? And he said, No, whatever we don't sell as pets, we're going to slaughter next year for their fur. And as I started looking around the building, I saw over in the corner was a pile of dead cats, and they had just cut this little piece of belly fur off. And I didn't know it at the time, but the bobcat fur that you see on coats and trim and that sort of thing is like white with spots, and that's yeah. what their bellies look like. The rest of them is kind of brown and mottled. It's not it's not that beautiful white spotted fur. So they were like feeding those carcasses back to the other cats who were in cages, which is just beyond disgusting. Wow. And I started crying again. It was like this freight train going through my head. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And my husband said, how much for every cat here? And so we came home with 56 bobcats, Canada lynx, and Siberian lynx. Wow. Yeah, and then the next year, we got all of the adults out of there because we had to build bigger cages to even transport those. And then the following year, we bought 22 off of another fur farm. And we made a deal with the fur farmers that we would pay top dollar for every cat as long as they never killed cats again for their fur. So we got all of the cats out of all of the US fur farms and we started working on the ones in Canada in 97.
1: Wow. So overnight, Big Cat Rescue was born. (laughs) Yeah. That to 57 cats. Wow. Well, that's just jumping off the deep end, you know, just start out. What about, look, we all have competition in business. Like I have competition in my business now. I've done a lot of different things in my life. You know, you had Joe Exotic. So is there ever a time like when, you know, we first started, like, you know, you were working hard and you had a business, but like, Did you have a lot of years without this outside Joe Exotic where you could just say we were building a business and running Or was that there right from the beginning?
0: Well, the reason that there are sanctuaries, which is what Big Cat Rescue is, is because there are people like Joe Exotic who were abusing animals or raising them for their fur or using them in circus acts or using them in these uh, roadside zoos. So all of these other industries aren't competition to us. They are the reason that we have to exist because as long as they're creating all of these animals that are going to have to suffer life in a cage for the rest of their lives, then there are facilities like ours who will take those animals and give them a respite from all of the horrific things they've had to endure for the rest of their lives. And our ultimate goal, as well as any legitimate sanctuary, is that there's no longer a reason to rescue animals. We just end that problem at its root. And so that's been our primary goal from the very beginning. It's been to put ourselves out of business.
1: That makes sense. Which how many businesses could say that? But that does make sense. (laughs) That makes sense. I mean, honestly, that was, thank you for clarifying that. That makes a lot of sense to me. So you're doing this work, you're living life and, you know, on this mission and running Big Cat Rescue, how, and no one really knows what's going on. How does Netflix get involved? Like, how do they come to you? I mean, you're living your life and here you are. How does that start?
0: A lot of people think that we were like this overnight sensation that the press found out about us in Tiger King, but everybody in the animal rescue industry knew who Big Cat Rescue was because we've been leading the charge against the practice of breeding these cats for life in cages for decades. And as a result, we're in the press over 2000 times a year before Tiger King came out. And we thought everybody knew about what was happening here and how we were fighting this enormous battle against people like Joe Exotic and Doc Gantle and Mario Toboreau and Tim Stark and all of these guys who are constantly breeding cubs pitching it as conservation to the people that they're taking money from and then discarding those cats or killing those cats. But I was uh, very surprised to hear that most people did not know who we were because everybody says after watching Tiger King, what's it like to be famous all of a sudden? It's like, I thought we were famous, but um, only famous, I guess, in the animal protection world. And one thing I wanna clarify here is that we figured out pretty early on that when we rescue animals, We actually need to get a contract and do get a contract from the people that we rescue from stating that they will never own another exotic animal. And if they do, if I even see a photograph of them holding a cub online, we have them sign a written contract to this effect. If I even see them holding a cub after the day that we have rescued the animal, then they owe us for that cats, whoever we took from them, their lifetime care. And for a tiger, that's $1,000 a year per cat. How much much is it? $10,000 per per year, just for the food and vet care, not any of the overhead of the sanctuary. And so far we haven't had anybody that has reneged on that contract. So that's the only way that this works. If we were in there as a place that calls themselves a sanctuary. And every year when the, the bad guys get through using the cubs for cub petting props, they dump off the adults they don't want anymore at her place. And she doesn't call them out by name. She doesn't do anything to try and stop them. Well, that's just enabling bad behavior. A legitimate sanctuary does not enable bad behavior. We make sure that we're stopping it when we take those
1: animals. Right. So you were famous in this community before, but what, one day your phone rang and it was someone from Netflix and they said, we need to talk?
0: No, not at all. Um, So in our world, The thing that we deal with the most is trying to get the message out to people that every time you pay to pet a cub, every time you pay to see a cute little cub at a zoo, you just paid for 20 years of misery for that animal because they can never go free. They don't serve any conservation value. And they often end up in backyards and basements or killed for their parts. And so every time somebody comes to us and says we're doing a documentary about this we're like sure come along so we've worked with documentarians all the time we've never had anybody betray us the way the tiger King producers did and what most people don't realize is we worked for them, worked with them for five years <laughs> worked for them we worked with them for five years and we didn't get paid anything for doing that we never do with these documentaries And we were also, during that same five-year period, we were working with another production company which came out with a, a, a movie called Hidden Tiger, which is an excellent movie that nobody has ever heard of. And it talks about how we're going to lose the tiger in our lifetime because of the fact that people are doing cub petting and going to zoos and all of those things that are actually causing the extinction of the tiger in the wild. And sadly, Because it was an important film that people need to see. They don't want to see it. They wanted
1: some freak show that Tiger King was. Nothing says fall like soft, plush, merino wool. For the third year in a row, Rothy's is launching an exclusive autumn collection featuring washable merino wool styles. They're incredibly comfortable, cozy, and 100% machine washable. Hey, it's 2021. Who has time for uncomfortable shoes? That's why I turn to Rothy's. Plus, they come in a variety of colors, patterns, and styles. Wait, you want to know what is my favorite thing about Rothy's? My favorite thing is that they're not just for women anymore. They're now available for men as well. They're durable, they're washable, and they're great for the planet. To help you welcome fall season and style, Rothy's is doing something special. That's right. They gave us the chance to share this super rare opportunity with our listeners for a limited time. Right now, you get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash velvet that's r-o-t-h-y-s dot com slash velvet head to rothy's dot com slash velvet to find your new favorites today they're comfortable they're machine washable and they're perfect for the fall rothy's
0: and then during that five-year period we were also working on another film with a different production company called the conservation game And the conservation game is, um, it just came out at the Santa Barbara Film Festival, and it won the Social Justice Award by a jury. And that's really hard for a tiger film to win the Social Justice Award, but it's an excellent film, and we're hoping that it will be sold to a big, you know, a a Netflix or a a peacock or some, you know, big industry that can get it out there, because... I think people are going to be shocked to learn how this whole big cat problem started in the US. And it was because people like Jack Hanna or Dave Salmoni or Boone Smith or Steve Irwin, all of these people were taking these cute little cubs onto late night TV shows. And people saw that and thought, I want to be that cool guy. I want people fawning all over me because I've got a tiger cub. And that's what caused this entire industry of people constantly breeding hundreds of these cubs every year to be used for that kind of pay to play um, scheme.
1: Interesting. So,
0: yeah. So it's a great film. Again, it probably won't get anywhere near the viewership that Tiger King got because people just want to be entertained. They don't want to be educated.
1: Uh, well, I have to say, like, even in that question earlier, where I mentioned, I've already learned in the, 15 minutes we've been talking, I, I'm, Tiger King confused me. Like I was, I left, I was just like, there's things I don't, I just learned more in a way than I have by watching all seven parts of that series. And I'm not just saying that. So imagine if you'd been talking to me for five
0: years, do you think Seriously? know you the whole industry. And yet that was the show they came up with. It was like for crying out loud. What was that? That was such a waste of our time.
1: Well, listen, Carol, if I knew of you five years ago, I would have been talking to you five years ago. So how is it pitched to you then? So like they come to you and like, what do they say to get you involved? Like to get, you know, how was this originally pitched?
0: They said that the film that they were working on was a documentary and that it was going to be called Stolen Wildlife. And it was going to be about how all of these exotic animal breeders and dealers are stealing the babies away from their moms, pimping them out to make a quick buck and then discarding them into horrible situations. So we were all on board with that. They said it was going to be the blackfish for big cats. Did you see blackfish?
1: No, I didn't.
0: It was, you probably know about it even if you didn't see it. It was the film that came out a few years ago about killer whales and dolphins in seaquariums aquariums and um, captivity. And as a result of that, people when they saw how cruel that is that they're taking those baby orcas away from their family pods, They're sticking them in these tiny little aquariums where their little dorsal fins hang over sideways because they're so sad and they're so neglected in the way that they should be fed and cared for. And then they're breeding more of them for life in these swimming pools. When people saw that, they did not want to go to SeaWorld or Seaquarium or any of those places. And so they had to completely change their model so that they don't steal animals from their families in the wild anymore. They don't breed them for life in swimming pools anymore. They quit doing the abusive shows where they were training these animals to jump through hoops to entertain people. They had to stop all of that because the public saw how horrific it was for the animal. So this is what we thought we were working on with a film called Stolen Wildlife for five years. And I think it may have originally been what they were trying to do because they got a lot of footage of the we call them the bad guys, the people that are pimping out these cubs and breeding hundreds of them. And they showed us all kinds of footage of these people just being wretched to these animals. And they were trying to sell it to CNN. CNN was the one who aired Blackfish. And in 2018, CNN said, no, thank you. And so I think maybe at that point they decided, okay, nobody wants to see a film that really shows the truth about this. So maybe if we rewrap it as something that like turns everything up on its head, we take the one person who's trying to end the abuse and we'll make her the villain. And then the people who are over here trying to kill her and who are killing these animals, we'll make those the heroes and people will love this. And they did. They just ate it up and did no research on their own to find out what a false narrative they were being
1: fed. They did eat it up, no pun intended. So when they first came to like, do you think they had like, you know, these original intentions, like when they were approaching CNN, like of going down this road, or do you think they had this ulterior motive all along?
0: It's really hard to say, you know, my husband and I have talked about this a lot because on the one hand um, they were very convincing and they were gathering all of this footage of these animals being mistreated. And the guy who was doing this proclaimed himself to be a sanctuary owner for turtles. And they were using a film editor who had been used in the Cove, which was another one about these dolphins and how they're um, pulled from their family to be used in these shows all around the world. And so we thought that it had good credentials for being a real documentary, but at the same time if you're somebody who's really into rescuing animals would you would you even put out a film that that paints the people who are trying to end the problem as the villains i mean that just that seemed that seemed beyond necessary you could have they could have done all kinds of crazy stuff and showed all the crazy people in tiger king without trying to paint me as being some gold digging home wrecking murderer how did that feed into their narrative other than to try and wreck my reputation and say, she's no better than all these people because they sure couldn't say it about the way we treat animals. That's totally different than the way those people treat animals, other than the fact that they only showed our cats in their little feeding lockouts instead of their cages, which are in some cases acres large, but you never saw that in Tiger King. So it's really hard for me to say whether they did that on purpose or not. And back in twenty. 2007 actually, um, I had worked on a bill here in the state of Florida to ban people getting pythons because people were being killed by their pet pythons and people were turning pythons loose in the Everglades and it used to be when you drove through the Everglades you would see animals or you'd see roadkill at least that showed you there were animals there. There's nothing left. The pythons have just sucked everything out of the Everglades I mean, there's a few Florida panther, a few bobcats left and that's about it. And it's because of this trade. So anyway, I've been working on this state law to ban the trade in these reptiles. And that was how Eric Good from Tiger King starts out. Tiger King saying, I was involved in the reptile industry. It was like, yeah, he was involved in the reptile industry that I was trying to put an into here in Florida. So maybe there was always this um, desire to get back
1: at me. Interesting. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu.
0: This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from Indicloud.
1: head over to indocloud.co/spring24 that's co com to snag 30% off your first order and then when this was happening like and they started asking questions like specifically about like your husband Don Lewis like could you tell you know what i mean like could you tell like at any point cuz i'm not this is no shade cuz you and we're not in the media like could you tell that it was going in a certain direction when they were asking about like Don and like his disappearance or it just was all weaved in there throughout everything else they were asking about.
0: Well, when they were asking those questions, my husband actually asked them, they were like, he's like, why are you guys focusing on this? I thought we were talking about animal abuse and how these animals are treated. And they said, well, you know, people like Joe Exotic are always accusing Carol of killing her husband and feeding him to the tigers. So we just have to show that this is the way that they deflect attention away from the horrible things that they're doing, which is what they do. I mean, that's why they say those things. There's no justification for what they do to the animals. And so the only thing they can do is try to get people paying attention to something else. You know, it's like, Yeah, and It seems like most of these people that abuse big cats are also magicians. They understand smoke and mirrors. And so if they start saying, oh, yeah, she she killed her husband and fed him to the tigers, then the media is like, oh, wow, that's exciting. And they've forgotten all about these poor tiger cubs. And so that's what we thought we were answering was to say, look, this is why they're saying these things. But that was not the way it came across in Tiger King.
1: No, it was not so when do you find out like do you get it the, you know do you get it in advance does someone call you and say or you're just t- you're laughing now no in
0: fact you know they're telling us they're trying to pitch this thing we're seeing these advertisements on netflix saying there's this show coming out called tiger king and my husband and I are like who's doing that show because all these people know each other in hollywood and they all know what each other's working on And nobody had heard anything about a show that was going to be called Tiger King about Joe Exotic. And so we were shocked, absolutely shocked that the film we had been working on for five years was that film. And so when it came out, Howie and I sat on the couch and we binge watched it just like everybody else did. And at the end of it, we just sat there looking at each other and said, well, that was a missed opportunity because that was, you know, I'm so accustomed to these people that pimp out cubs saying these nasty things about me and about this tragedy in my life that I didn't even, and nobody has ever taken them serious before. So it's like, I didn't even think that was a thing until my phone started ringing and it rang like nonstop for three months with people just outraged because they believed everything that Tiger King had put out there as if it were true. And They believed it to the point where they would actually look me up, try to find my phone number and call me at all hours of the day and night just so they could scream at me and call me all kinds of horrible names. I have three hours of obscenities just just off my phone the first three hours. And after that, I was like, I'm I'm not going to record this anymore. I've got three hours of it. How much more do I need?
1: It's all the same after a while, right?
0: yeah, there's only so many curse words that you can use in reference to a woman, and I think every one of them has been used against me during that period of time. In some cases, I would actually engage with the people because what they would say is, in addition to all those horrible things, they said that they wanted to kill the cats, and I'm like, why would you want to kill the cats? And they say, because they don't belong in cages, and I'm like, yeah, that was my whole gig, like, my whole thing forever has been, these cats don't belong in cages. Did you not understand that? And then I I watched Tiger King over again, like six times. And I'm like, you know what? Nobody would get that from watching Tiger King. They would have no idea that it's my goal to end the abuse of breeding cats for life in cages.
1: Yeah, like I got it, but not really. It's just like cleared up a lot of things, just this chat. So, right, so you're watching it with your you know, your husband. And I mean, you must've been, so, well, first of all, when you said you heard about this tiger King coming out, like, so you didn't even know when you were saying, Oh, the show coming to Netflix tiger King You didn't even know that was your show that you, wow. You're shaking your head now
0: to the, to the producers and we're like, who's doing that show. And then all of a sudden they don't want to talk to us anymore.
1: That's how it was. Like, they were just like, we're not going to return this call. And they just recently, like in the last couple of months, um,
0: reached out and said, you know, we'd like to clear the air. And it's like, no, I told them to lose my number. Um, My husband said, you know, whatever you do with a Tiger King 2, that'll tell us whether or not you're really going to tell the truth. And if you're not, why would we talk to you again?
1: Is that why you think they reached out? Like they want you to be part of Tiger King 2?
0: They went back to most of the other people I've heard from those people. Um, most of the other people, they went back to them and got them to sign contracts, different contracts this time. And what they had them sign in the contracts this time was that they could not talk to anybody but them. And I think what they were trying to do is they realized, this is just my belief, that this was such a successful runaway hit. They didn't want anybody actually talking to these people to get to the truth. They wanted to maintain the narrative that they have already put out there. And so we just refused to even talk to them.
1: Wow. And I mean, are they making a Tiger King too, to the best of your knowledge, or?
0: These other people say that they have filmed with them, um, and that they are doing some filming and they're doing some filming. I've been told they've been doing filming in Costa Rica, which is where my husband had a lot of business dealings, but I don't really know whether or not they're, I had heard they were going to launch in the spring and then I heard it wasn't going to be until October. So I have no
1: idea. I mean, it's kind of a brilliant tactic if this is what it is, whether it comes out ever or not. Once you sign the contract, it could be, I don't know, 20 years. Like you're you're now ceasing, you know, you're signed your rights away, now there's nothing. Right. Interesting.
0: And isn't that though? And you know, they 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 presented this as a documentary. A documentary doesn't try to keep people from telling the truth. It doesn't wrap up all of the characters in a in a uh, documentary and say, you can never tell anybody your story again. That's not what a documentary is. A documentary is all about getting the truth out there. So, you know, when they were up for all of those awards last year, we were just so frustrated thinking that was not a documentary. I mean, at best, it was like reality TV that wasn't even real. Joe Exotic and I have never had a conversation. So to make it this big feud between Joe Exotic and I was just like ridiculous. And so I was really glad to see that even though they were nominated for those awards, that they didn't pick up a single one.
1: You were secretly happy and celebrated when they lost. Yeah. And you and Joe Exotic never had a conversation. Never. Wow. We had a lawsuit
0: together, but my husband handled the lawsuit and... I've seen him, I think, four or five times. Four of those were in court, and two were in the murder for hire trial. And then uh, the only other time that I've ever even seen him in person was at a uh, event in Ohio where the state was going to ban the private ownership of big cats after Terry Thompson had turned loose 56 lions and tigers and other big cats on the neighborhood and then committed suicide. So then Ohio decided maybe we shouldn't let people that are unstable or anybody have tigers in their backyard. So I went there to speak on that. And of course he was speaking against it. And he attacked a woman that I was with. She was the head of the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries. And she's like, you know, this tall and tiny little lady. And he started coming at her and I got between the two of them but I never even said anything to him then. He just turned tail and ran at
1: that point. If you've ever dreamed of having the chance to win awesome prizes, like a classic 1968 Mercedes-Benz, karaoke with Charlize Theron, or my personal favorite family dinner with the Jonas Brothers and VIP tickets to their show, oh yeah, then you have to check out Omaze, the new way to give back to charity and have fun doing it. Here's how Amaze works. You enter for the chance to win something amazing, and at the same time, you can donate to support great causes. It's fun, it's easy, and it's a way for nonprofits to raise money and for you to win big prizes, like a multi-million-dollar house in Miami. No, really, you guys have to check out this house. It's seven bedrooms, six bathrooms, has a gym, an elevator, and hello, do you understand it's Miami? Perhaps you'll run into one of our friends, the Real Housewives of Miami. Here's how it works. Go to amaze.com slash velvet and select Miami Dream House or a different experience of your choosing. Once you've selected your prize, choose a donation amounts from $10 to $150. The more you donate, the more entries you get. It's as simple as that enter today for your chance to win the Miami dream house or other life-changing prizes and experiences. Just go to omaze.com slash velvet rope. Plus you now receive 20 extra entries when you enter the code velvet rope. That's O M A Z E.com slash velvet rope. Wow. So when you watched it, what were you, were you more upset at, you know, that it did paint you as, like you said, not the hero, strong implications that, yes, you killed your husband and fed him to tigers. Were you more upset about that? But this is now the narrative on Carol Baskin that even though you were famous in this community, now this is Netflix. This ain't no joke. Everyone's watching. Or were you more upset at the like, this was supposed to be about. You know, the work that we do and the cats. And now this is completely lost on 99% of the people that are watching this. No one is taking that away from the show.
0: That was the main thing. I don't care what people think about me. I mean, there are clearly a bunch of people in this industry who abuse animals who hate me and have convinced some people in their circles that I'm a horrible person. That doesn't change things. What is really important is we are living on a planet right now where. Five years from now, there probably won't be any tigers left in the wild. There won't be any lions left in the wild or snow leopards or jaguars. They're all just being absolutely extirpated from the planet because of the fact that we have spent the last 200 years dealing with conservation the wrong way. We've had zoos telling us that this is how you make people care about animals is by having them on display and then they'll protect them. We lost 95% of the the wild populations during that 200 years. It's not working. We have to fix it right now. We don't have another minute to spare. And the very first step is to stop the captive breeding of big cats.
1: That's literally the first step. So you didn't really, you know, you were known in this community and it sounds like people hated you before that you were used to dealing with that. So when this came out, did you feel like, oh, this was an education on how the media works because I was led down one road, you know? I mean, was it kind of like an education or I mean, you've dealt with the media before, but this was your main eye opener of like, huh? Well, now I know.
0: I think probably we started in Sanctuary in 1992. And I would say probably by 93 or 94, I stopped reading the newspaper or watching news because what I found was, the news, you know, they're big cats. They wanna come out here all the time. They wanna film big cats. It's the media loves covering anything that we do at the sanctuary. And even though their articles were wonderful and they were always you know, really, really good when they came here and talking about the issues and such, what I realized is you could actually even write the story for them and they would take it home, change it just enough for it to be wrong. <laughs> and then they publish that. And huh. it's like you know, like we're on back then we were on forty acres, we're on sixty seven acres now, so it would appear in the paper that we were on four acres, or we are on four hundred acres, and then when they said I was on four hundred acres, like every realtor in a, in Florida called me like four hundred acres near Tampa,
1: we gotta have that. They're like, please call us back. <laughs> you're like, it's not that grand. I mean, you're probably like, great i I, I wish this was four hundred acres. Yes,
0: wouldn't that be something at $100,000 an acre, which is what it costs us to buy land out here? So I realized that they never get it right, but at least it wasn't malicious. You know, they weren't doing anything bad. Right. And so I just, I, I always knew that the media was not reliable, but to see the media um, believe this narrative that had been put forward in Tiger King and not bother to do an ounce worth of research. As soon as it came out, I created a page at bigcatrescue.org slash Netflix and I went minute through minute of the entire series saying, when you saw this on the screen and you heard us saying this or you saw this image, this is what was actually being filmed or what was happening in the background or how this came to be, or you know, when the girls were talking about how they only got 10% of the the estate. And it was like, no, here's actually the the court filings <laughs> that show that this was not true. And people didn't care. They didn't want to read it. All they wanted to do was to believe what they had already come to a conclusion of believing because Netflix did such, or not Netflix, but the producers did such a good job of creating that feeling that you know, you're sitting in your chair and it's like, this is a 20-year-old murder mystery that nobody has solved. But sitting here on my couch, I figured it out. It's that Carol Baskin. It's like, no, you did not figure out anything because you didn't have the evidence. You didn't have the truth. You had what they were putting up on the screen.
1: What do you think that says about our society? You know, that we are just, we want, we we cling to that salacious tidbit of meat. It
0: is so so sad. It's really sad. And, you know, even since then, in the um, interviews that I've done since Tiger King, what I've noticed is a lot of times the media will report what I've said, and they'll say that in the text, but the headlines will be something utterly untrue that it's like they don't, the headline doesn't even go with the story and yet people only read the headlines. And so some other uh, media outlet picks up the headline and they just run with some story they wrote based on the headline. It's like, no, (laughs) that's not what I said. That's not the truth. Here's all of the evidence. So I've spent you know, like a year and a half now following up with these people and saying, if you really want the truth on this, this is where it is. And it's just not of interest.
1: I tell people that all the time, but, you know, just from doing this for like two years, I've had a fast education. The quote will never be wrong. I mean, they're not that they're, you know, there's legal, it's going to be the right quote, but the headline it's, some of it is it's clickbait. It's there's just a headline and yeah, it's kind of true in a roundabout way in another world, but that's a huge stretch. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yes, I get it. So
0: most people who have never been in the press, they just can't believe that it could be wrong. You know, that's where they get their news. So how could
1: the news be wrong? I've learned I've had a you know, yes, it's the headlines. So was that hard then, like when this came out? or Well, first of all, when you did this on your website, that must have taken forever. I would assume that was no easy feat to go minute by minute when oh, the, yeah. the scenes you were in.
0: And then to, you know, dig up all of the background evidence to go with it, because it was like, well, not only am I telling you this is what this sentence said, but now I've got to go find, like, all of the medical records on my husband and all of those kinds of things to put in there as evidence that if you want to see the truth, here's everything that... And I gave all of that to the people who created Netflix, created Tiger King. They just chose not to use it either because that didn't fit their storyline.
1: Did you ever hear from like the producers, you know, take this website down, shut that down? No. They just figured you weren't one that was going to do it, maybe. One, one, I'm not going to do it. And two, it's the truth. I mean, they could sue me, but what are they going to do? I have the truth on my side. Did that take like days and days and days of just working to put all this up here on your website? I would say probably a couple of days, but I'm one of those
0: people that once I start something, I will be like... I'll be at it until it's done.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of the same way. Like, if I laser focus, I'm like, I can't sleep now. This has to get done. And it's a tedious task. And I need to start doing this. Please get out of my way. So, were you shocked? Like, did it bother you then when you were, because, you know, like you said, you were hated maybe in this industry by certain people. Let's just face it, because you know, you're on the opposite side and it all comes down to money. But then when this comes out and you get these calls and you're called to everything under the sun that a woman could be called, are you upset? Like, does this get to you? I mean, it's no judgment if it does, like, look what goes on on social media all day. And then like, did you start getting all that social media online hate? And did that get to you? Or you were just like, I've dealt with this, not affected at all.
0: On a personal level, it never got to me. In fact, I had a call with a rehabber yesterday, and she said she's in the same kind of position where she does rehab of native animals, and she does it according to the book, and she does it by the law. And there are people who love to go out there and raid a nest and get a baby bobcat and turn it into an ambassador animal so they can get paid to go to schools and talk about wild animals, and they do it under the guise of being a, a rehabber and they're not. And so she was saying, you know, you're dealing with all of this hate from all of these people, and they're, you know, filing false complaints against us all the time, her and I both. And she said, how do you deal with that? And I said, you know, I I can tell you how to deal with the agencies and that sort of thing. You have to be aggressive toward them and not let them push you into a corner and let them know that you know your rights and you're going to stand your ground. But as far as the personal end of it, you know, she's somebody who's really impacted by that. She was shaking and she was upset. And for me, I just don't care. You know, these are bad people. And the fact that they hate me is like a badge of honor. It's <laughs> like, judge me by the enemies I have made. If this guy hates me, this is really, it, it, it's something that is noteworthy. And so um, I don't take those kinds of things personally. Where I did have um, a lot of frustration was in things like I'm on call 24-7. If a bobcat gets hit by a car anywhere in the state of Florida, I will drop everything and race out to the scene at two o'clock in the morning to get that bobcat off the road and to a vet, and then into our rehab facilities and then back out in the wild. With my phone ringing for three months, I couldn't take a call. I couldn't turn my phone off at night. I had to turn my phone off at night rather because it was ringing every five minutes. And I couldn't make I couldn't take those legitimate calls because of all of the people who were just being hateful. And so we tried transferring the phone calls off to my daughter. She's also a rehabber. And people were waking her up all hours of the night screaming at her about her mother. And so she couldn't take the calls. And if there's not the two of us doing it, there's nobody doing it. And those cats are out there suffering and dying because people are being hateful. People are ignorant, people are being hateful, people who don't care enough to do any kind of research. They just wanna be mean. And that was the most harmful thing of this is all of those cats who probably died during that situation. And then all of the people who would leave messages on my phone so that every morning I would get up and it seemed like for hours, it probably wasn't that long, but I'd be taking each one of those messages, screenshotting the number in case, because these people are threatening to kill me and do all kinds of horrible things to me and my family and so if it happened I wanted the police to actually have the screenshots from the phone numbers and the audio files and so I had to save all of that which took a stupid amount of time and then we have you know huge social followings we've got something like 3.6 million fans on um, Facebook and I forget
1: yeah, Instagram, I think you're like 40, 40 million or something. It's something up there. I am just I might be wrong, but it's, it's a big number.
0: Well, it's 100 million views on our YouTube channel, but then wow. it's like 6 million uh, subscribers or something. But on all of those social channels, there were literally millions of people coming there just to post hateful things. They were going to all of the review sites like Google and Yelp and Everywhere else they could post a one star review from people who've never been here, didn't know anything about us. All they knew was what they saw on Tiger King. And so dealing with all of that was like just exhausting, but it wasn't, I didn't take it personally. I think my husband and my daughter took it worse than I did. And if you think about it, if people are saying those kinds of things about you, you know, they're not true. So you're just like, whatever. But if you are saying that about your mom or about somebody you love, all of a sudden those are fighting words and you want to feel like you got to get in there and protect them. And so I think it was a whole lot harder for them than it was for me.
1: Now, I know you're busy running Big Cat Rescue, but in your next life, you need to come back and reinvent yourself and do like anti-bullying training and teach people. I mean, I'm like you, but most people aren't. Like a lot of people really take the comments and all of that to heart and just go down a dark place. So I just think, you know, if you ever have time on your hands or you want a new career, you should talk about just rising above it all. Cause that's amazing that you never went down all of that road. Really, it's not easy.
0: I think it's because my my belief is that we are eternal and that we, before we come here, we kind of decide, okay, This time, when I come back onto planet Earth, this is my plan. I'm going to go in there. We're getting really close to losing these tigers. We've got to really hit it on every channel. We've got to fix this problem before the entire planet loses all of its big cats. And I think on the other side of the veil, I set up all of this with Joe Exotic and Doc Antle and they're gonna play the bad guys and I'm gonna play the good guy and we're gonna go in and then there's gonna be this freaking Netflix thing <laughs> that's gonna turn it all on its head. And people are actually going to find out about the fact that this is happening with Cats in the Wild. So, you know, when it happens, it's like, you know, I probably set this up ahead of time. I just don't <laughs> remember that I did it, but it's happening for the best. And that, that's the underlying thing. I think everything is always happening for the best. And that's that, a good attitude. Yeah. And as long as you look at things that way, then it's not going to get you down.
1: So when Joe Exotic is then convicted of, you know, an attempted murder plot on your life, like hiring someone to, and is convicted and goes to jail for 22 years, like what are the range of emotions there? Or there aren't any, like, are you somewhat relieved, happy? I mean, I would be personally, I'll be honest, but where do you go there?
0: I actually was relieved because Joe Exotic is a very charismatic con man, in my opinion. And I think that's how he conned the producers of Tiger King. They felt sorry for him. They felt like, you know, he was this underdog, which is just bizarre to me, but I've talked to so many people who were so taken by him. And so my concern was when this was going through the trial phase, There's 12 jurors, he's only got to fool one of them. If he fools one of them, and how hard could that be because he's so good at fooling so many people, then this whole thing's a mistrial. And I was very thankful that it only took him less than four hours to figure out this guy belongs in jail. But as far as feeling relieved after he was sentenced, I feel like they only caught the dumbest one in the entire network because he was so easy to catch. These other people like Mario Tobro and Doc Antle, Tim Stark, I think they are hundreds of times smarter than Joe Schreibogel ever was, and they are going to be a lot harder to catch.
1: Do you live in fear?
0: I do. I, I do. Um, you know, people fly drones over our facility all the time. Joe was talking about in one of, I don't know if it was in Tiger King, but in one of his videos, he was talking with his one of his husbands about how you could put a grenade in a glass jar fly it out over the sanctuary and drop it on somebody so that when the glass broke the grenade would go off and that worries me that people could do that they could set fire to the place i just had for the first time one of my houses burned down in gosh i've been doing this since 1984 i've never had a house burned down and yet while i was flying a drone over jeff lowe's place in oklahoma one of my places burned down And it just, it really made me wonder, is there connection there or is it just coincidence? And these people, if you remember from Tiger King, they seem to be kind of famous for burning places down. So it is a
1: real fear. Wow. And that doesn't go away. No. So let's talk about, yeah. I mean, well, especially if there's a drone and then your house burns down right away, I would see why you would think maybe they're connected. So then everyone does know your name on a large scale and last year, Dancing with the Stars comes knocking. I mean, do you like, I mean, you're in the public eye. You're you're famous, Carol. Like, do you like that? I mean, there's nothing wrong with liking that. I mean, how is that?
0: I'm really shy by nature. If, in fact, COVID was like, this is like the best plague ever because everybody goes and they stay in their house. (laughs) I like that. I get it. Um, I just, I don't like going out in public. I'm kind of agoraphobic <laughs> to begin with. If you get me in a really crowded area, I'm going to start hyperventilating and screaming. And so um, the <laughs> it's been very uncomfortable to me that people people have always, because locally we've been in the news so much, people come up to me all the time in parking lots and grocery stores and they're like oh my god they want to talk about tigers or bobcats or whatever kind of cats. so I'm accustomed to that but it's like so many more people I just came back from the airport I got like 15 to 20 people um, mobbed me to at different times to you know like with groups to have a selfie and you can't, I, I was trying to go to the bathroom. I can't even go into the bathroom without people following me into the bathroom. So I, I really don't like that kind of attention. And I think it's, it's worrisome because if you were, if you were going to try and kill me, what better way than to get close enough to say you wanted a selfie. And these people that are still out there abusing cats still want me dead. And there have been way more than Joe that have threatened to kill me over the years that are much more capable of it than he was. So I, I live in that kind of fear all the time. But as far as Dancing with the Stars goes, um, after Tiger King came out, there was like three, 300 different media outlets that reached out to us. And I was like, I'm not talking to the press. You can't trust these people and he, after i have just been betrayed. And my daughter looked at the list and she said, well, you got to do the Jimmy Fallon show and you got to do Dancing with the Stars. I'd never seen either one of those shows, but um, the Jimmy Fallon show, I don't know if you saw it, but it turned out to be two kids from the UK that punked me (laughs) into thinking I was talking to Jimmy Fallon when in fact it it was just recordings of Jimmy Fallon and it was hilarious. And they talked about the cat issues and it got 7 million views. So I was like, all right, well, that wasn't so bad. And then I thought, you know, that lady from Dancing with the Stars that wanted me to call, her name was Dina Katz. And I'm like, I can't be real. <laughs> so I called her up. She she assured me that she really was named Katz and that they really did want me to dance. And I'm like, I've never danced a step in my life. It was, it was not allowed in my family. And so it was like a sin. And I I can't do it. And she's like, oh, they'll just sling you around on the stage. It'll be great. You'll love it. And so my husband and daughter thought that it would be a great way for people to see a different side of me from my perspective, what I cared about the most and spent the most time negotiating with them was, can I use this as a platform to talk about the cats? And they said, absolutely. And even after they threw me off the show because they figured out they could not make me dance, (laughs) Um, even slinging me around out there was not working, it just was not getting the judges approval they still continued to send media to me to talk about the cat issues. So it turned out to be hugely beneficial for the cats, I think, and worth doing it. And I think, I think that's when I started seeing a shift in the way people were talking about me and talking about the sanctuary because they saw for the first time, this is not the same person that we were introduced to in Tiger King. So maybe there is more and maybe that's when they started doing some research.
1: And you really think that that's a, a huge part to Dancing with the Stars.
0: I do, yeah. It seemed like that's when the shift happened. And I don't know that that shift would have happened otherwise. I don't know that there was anything else that was as high profile that would have gotten people thinking, okay, there's something more here than
1: what we saw. It's a huge platform. And when people come up, because I imagine not in airports is probably the worst, but wherever you go, I'm sure everyone wants a selfie with you. You actually think to yourself, this group of whoever, this could be one of these enemies, from the big cat. And this, if you're gonna take me out, this is the time.
0: And there, there were two situations that were really kind of hilarious in retrospect. One was I'm riding my bike back and forth to, the, to work, which I do every day and it's five miles each way. And this guy leaps out of the bushes at me with a knife in his hand and something in the other hand, and I can't tell what it is. And so I like swerve around him and he's like, I just want a selfie. And I look back and he's like peeling an apple with his knife and happened to see me and recognize me and that's why he leaped out with this knife but i'm thinking this guy's going to kill me and then the other time was uh people in an suv and people do this all the time to me when i try to ride on the bike trail so that there's not traffic but there's some places where i have to actually be out on the side of the road people will actually pull off right in front of me and force me off the road so that they can jump out of their cars and get a selfie and this black suv with the big tinted windows and everything does this right in front of me. I go skidding off into the grass. I'm trying to regain my balance. And all the doors fly open and all these guys come running toward me. And these are like big, burly guys. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm being kidnapped right here. I'm dead. They all wanted selfies. And it's like, how, how am I even in your demographic? Where where do you,
1: <laughs> were you watching Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> these
0: big football player like,
1: guys. You defy all the demographics, but I mean- do you give them the selfie when they're charging you and do you go back for the guy peeling the apple and say sorry
0: (laughs) that was just like
1: no carol you have no fear i mean if a van put me off the road and the doors open and people were charging at me i I don't know what i would do but i would not give a selfie i can assure you (laughs) of that I, i mean When you were in dancing, well, when you were on Dancing with the Stars and out in Hollywood, did you have any great celebrity meet and greets? Like, you know, did you meet any celebrities out there where you were just blown away? You know,
0: because of COVID, um, they were staging us so that we hardly ever ended up in the same hallways or anywhere together. And there were a couple of times, like right before rehearsal or right before we would go out to actually dance that we would all be backstage. But there again, they wanted us to stay at a distance. We had our masks on. So I got to talk a little bit to um, Fernand Davis, who was really nice. And Anne Hake was really sweet to me. In fact, she and I did a show with my husband and her her partner after that. And um, who else did we talk to there? I talked
1: to the
0: catfish guy.
1: Nav Sean.
0: Yeah, he's really nice but I didn't get to really spend any time with anybody because of the COVID issues.
1: Did you ever hear from any like one in your DMS or messages like huge celebrities that are like, I'm a fan of yours. on dancing with the stars. I'm a fan of tiger King where you're just like, oh my God, so-and-so just reached out to me.
0: You know, I don't, I don't watch TV. I don't really follow pop culture. And so, so many times when, um, people will reach out to me wanting to do a podcast or a news story or something. And they'll say, and we talked to all of these stars before. So this is, you know, you're in good company. I'm like, I don't know any of those people because they don't rescue cats. Those are the only people I know are those people.
1: (laughs) So I guess if I was going to ask you if they were going to make a movie on your life, who would you want to play you?
0: You know, I think the person that would be most um, believable as me would be Meryl Streep. You know, she's just kind of a no-nonsense kind of a person, and I think that that suits my personality, and she's my age. I mean, Kate McKinnon, she is gorgeous, and she's so talented, but, you know, she could play the 16-year-old me. She can't play the 60-year-old me.
1: I could see Meryl. I could see it. Do you have any interest in doing anything else, like, related to the media? You know, like, Dancing with the Stars, there's, like, Celebrity Big Brother... Like, do you have any interest in going down this road? Anywhere that I could get the message out about big cats,
0: I'm willing to exploit that. Um, The only one that had, they never reached out to me, but the media seemed to have think that they reached out to me. And so it became like this huge thing was some show called I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And it was all about like eating spiders and live animals and stuff. And I said. I'm a I'm a vegetarian. What kind of vegetable are you going to offer me that so gross? People want to see that? that. That 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 would never happen. And they never reached out to me. It's just the media for some reason thought that they could.
1: You're like it's off brand. What about everything uh, going on now? You know, with like Joe Exotic. I know he says he has like prostate cancer and he wants to get out. I know you're rolling your eyes. Yeah,
0: I've known Joe for 20 years, and he's had every disease you can imagine. Whatever the disease of the month is, that's what Joe has, because if you can get sympathy out of it, that's what Joe will do.
1: And what about the whole, I know he said, well, I'm willing to work with you now. Like, I'm ready to get out of jail. You know, I'll work with you, Carol. I think that was like a few months ago I saw that, or even like a month ago in the news, I saw that. Is that all? He he said that, and again, it's like, those were the headlines. But
0: what he said in the interview was that the Big Cat Public Safety Act, which is the bill that I said he would have to help us pass, he said, but we've got to end, we got to take out the part about not breeding cubs and uh, petting cubs, and we've got to take out the part about people not having them as pets. The Big Cat Public Safety Act only does two things. It ends cub petting, and it phases out private possession. So if you take those two things out, it's not a bill. You're not helping me do anything if it doesn't have those two things in it.
1: You just Do you think he's just grapping, like at straws to do anything to get out of jail?
0: I think he's doing anything to get press. I mean, if he wanted to get out of jail, he could actually turn um, into a good person who cares about these animals, who would help law enforcement put the rest of these bad guys behind, jail, behind bars. And he would help pass this bill that bans cub petting and phases out private possession. He doesn't want to do either of those things.
1: I could see that. Do you think even with Dancing with the Stars, this other narrative of Tiger King will never go away? Like, Tiger, you know, Dancing with the Stars premieres, and I know that, like, Don's family, they took out that ad on Dancing with the Stars, you know, reward leading to anything that puts Carol behind bars or whatever, I'm paraphrasing. So there you are, you've moved on to a new platform and it's ABC and it's a huge platform and they're giving it to you, but now this happens. Like, do you think this other narrative will ever go away? I think so because of the fact that it's never gone away before.
0: I lost my husband 23 years ago and people who wanted to silence me have used that for 23 years to try and silence me or divert attention away from what I'm trying to say, which is we need to stop breeding cats for life in cages. And so I think that that will always be the only, I mean, it's the only thing they can say about me. Now they can say I can't dance, but that's not gonna get them as far.
1: Maybe you can't dance, but at least you had Eye of the Tiger by Survivor there. I mean, one of the best songs of all times, come on.
0: Absolutely. I was so thrilled when
1: they told me that was going to be the first song. That's a good one. What about if you had to go back? If Netflix approached you and the producers, if you had to go back, would you say, you know, knowing what you know now, would you say yes to being a part of Tiger King? I would have. And the reason I would have is because I really think that this
0: has opened a door to getting this federal bill passed. We are further along than we've ever been with the Big Cat Public Safety Act. We have 178 members of Congress that have already signed up in the House. And I think we're 21 members in the Senate who have signed up saying that they'll support the bill. All we need is a hearing in both chambers and we are done. It ends the cub petting and it phases out private ownership. People who have those animals can keep them, they just can't buy or breed more. And so if that's what it took to get to this point, then it was worth it. If you ask my husband or my daughter that question, they would have a very different answer though.
1: Would they say, mom, the answer is no. Would you get, what advice would you give yourself like pre-Tiger King, Carol? Would you give yourself any advice like knowing what's to come? If I knew
0: that this was gonna happen? um, If I knew this was gonna happen, I would have written the Netflix page before. (laughs) So that it was actually out there at the time that this hit. And so people would have been able to find it right away. But aside from that, I don't know what else I could have done.
1: And as we wrap up two, two or three final questions, do you have a favorite big cat?
0: For years, I did not. And I always thought it was weird that I didn't have a favorite big cat. It was like they all have their own special stories. But a few years ago, a tiger named Aria came into my life. And I mean, that cat just, she absolutely... Took my heart and I, I adore that cat. I think she's my favorite.
1: It's a tiger. And here's the thing. I've traveled all around the world. So I've, I know I've been in Thailand with the tigers in the cage and you can go up and pet them. But so I've been in Africa and I've gone on safaris. This is just a personal question. So I, the last day I was in Africa, I got to walk next to a female lion, but so it was in the natural surroundings I'm one of like four people out of 30 that has a picture with this lion because they said we're shutting this down because of what was, you know, there was like a little stick. They weren't hitting. I mean, is that natural? Like, could that or is that is there some type of drug? I mean, we're in the middle of really the bush in Africa. This isn't like in a cage or is even that not good for an animal. I don't know how they got the lion to walk along us. I mean, it was big. It was a female lion.
0: It's actually an excuse me. It's actually an industry, and I was so delighted that the um, environmental minister just recently came out saying she's going to shut down that industry. Because here's how it starts: they do cub petting with these babies. They, as soon as the mothers have the babies, they take them away from the mothers. They charge people usually three thousand dollars a week to come there to help them with their orphaned cubs. And people think they're going to South Africa and that they're helping these cubs get nursed so that they can be set free. And then when they get bigger, they do the walk with lions. And so they let people walk amongst them. It's a big open, you know, it could be 100 acres, 200 acres that you're on when you're in there, but it's a fenced in area. And these animals have been raised around people. They're, they can be 200, 300 pounds when they're just a year old, but they're mentally kittens until they're about five. So they can use them for those kinds of things, pay people a pay to come do that walking with the lions. As soon as they get to be about five years old, then they're old enough that they can shoot them for canned hunts. And that's when they are moved to a different cage where people come in there like that dentist that you heard about that shot Cecil the lion. And they go into these fenced in areas and they'll put food out for the animals to come up. And because the animals are used to being around people, they don't care if you drive right up to them in a Jeep and then they let these people shoot them for a trophy. So their entire life from the minute they're born until the minute they're shot in a cage is just wretched. And people don't know that or they wouldn't do it. Yeah. And what we're trying so hard is to get people to understand what this entire industry really is.
1: You'll have to come back. I mean, I've the more I talk to you, the more questions I have, like you are amazing. Anything else you want anyone to know about you before we say goodbye? And if not, where can everyone find you online?
0: They can find us at bigcatrescue.org and right there on that page, they'll find an easy way that they can reach out to their member of Congress asking them to support the Big Cat Public Safety Act. It only happens when Congress hears from you that you care about this, that we will get this passed.
1: Well, I mean, you've turned everyone down except the Jimmy Fallon imposters and Dancing with the Stars. So I I don't know what I did here on this earth to be like, maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's the headbands, (laughs) but... You are welcome behind the velvet robe. Anytime you are an icon, Carol, an icon. You are just fearless. I'm not just saying this. You are a fearless, badass woman. And like, I just, I can't say enough good things about you. So I really appreciate you doing this.
0: Thank you so much, David. I appreciate that.
1: Keep in touch. This has been great. And I will keep in touch with you. Thank you so much.